are listening to Video Games to the Max. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Video Games to the Max. And joining me here uh, today, glad to have you back, uh, Hayes Madsen, uh, freelance writer, game uh, gaming trends writer, Inverse. Uh, how are you been, man? I'm doing good. Doing good. Busy, like I said, you know, uh, trying to get through what games I can with everything coming out. Yeah, and it's it's not stopping. There's more stuff coming. It's like from here to April, they just decided to pack in everything they could. Um, yeah, it's 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 a crazy first four months of the year for sure. Yeah, and I'm a big RPG guy, so I, you know, having six hundred hour RPGs in four months is not an easy task. Yeah, same here. Uh, I know you reviewed Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. We have you on here. Because you reviewed Final Fantasy VII Rebirth for Inverse. The review is up on the site if you want to go there. It's in the description as well for people that are uh, watching live or watching later or listening later. Um, first of all, thank you so much for, for being on uh, the, sh- the show today. And want to ask you a question, I guess, before we get into the Final Fantasy VII stuff. What do, what do you think about like what's been going on in the, in the industry like just this year? Like. Where do you think that that's all going? And I, I, I saw your tweet, like, I, I don't remember exactly when it was, but you said you were worried for the first time about being a, a freelance writer in the, for games, if you're going to be able to continue doing that uh, based on what's, you know, been going on, what you're seeing. Like, why did you say that? And I guess, what do you think about what, what's going on with games? Yeah, that's a, that's a big question. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I think it's become pretty clear to a lot of people the last year has been one of the toughest video game industries. You know, that's on the development side and on the media side. Both sides have had a, a, had a rough go of things. Um, on, in terms of the industry development side, you know, we've had six, over 6,000 layoffs last year, another 6,000 layoffs in the first two months. It's a complex situation that has a lot of reasons behind it. Um, but it's it's awful to see thousands upon thousands of developers, QA testers, and everyone else kind of out on their out on their butts now. Um, from my side, on the media side, I think it's you know the reason I I said something like that is you know you get into journalism and it you never expect to make a lot of money and that's not the point. Of it. Right. Yeah. Uh, it never is. But doing this 14 years, I was always able to like kind of. I get by on the skin of my teeth, working other odd jobs, doing food deliveries, whatever it might be on the side, freelancing on the side. I've always been able to make it through. That hasn't been true in the last to eight months. And part of that is, you know, for the first time in my life, I've had real health problems that I never had before. Kind of hit me at 32 years old. And it's opened my eyes to the fact that even though I've done this for 14 years, I'm in a place where it's not it's not a job that I'm able to like really support myself, let alone, you know, wanting to have a family or provide for a partner or whatever it might be. And I have dozens of mutuals and friends in the industry who've been laid off from their writing job last year and are now freelance. And there's more people freelance than ever. And there's less work to give yeah. to those people than ever because everyone's having their budgets cut or entire outlets are closing down. Like Sports Illustrated is closing down or waypoint got shut down fan bite when they got shut down a few years ago so i try to not be so doom and gloom about things a lot of times and 
basically it that's been it's been harder than ever to stay positive uh is is the hard thing because when you see what you do on the media side getting gutted and then you see the industry that you cover getting gutted it's just it's a hard reality yeah for sure it's it's one of those things i feel so bad for i mean it's it's like there's no other than you know games releasing right it's like everything else around the games is not as great as it seems right Mm -hmm. and and that's the sad part is like it's the same thing as last year. It's like, man, what a great year for games. But then it's like, oh, man, what a terrible year uh, for everybody yeah. around games as well. And it's like, it seems like this year is it's just basically echoing the same thing. And it it's hard sometimes to, like, be happy about, oh, man, one of the most anticipated games for the last four years is out. And, like, on Wednesday, and there's other things going on, right? I mean, obviously, most gamers mm-hmm. don't care about any of that. They just want... The game to come out, I want to play it, move on to the next thing, or make that be my thing I love for, for however long, and that's it. And it I'm hoping that people start realizing with the things that are going on that people like people do make games, people write about games, and it sucks that it seems like less and less people are able to make a career out of both of those we used to. Even even if you only care about video games on the most superficial level i think it's still important to be cognizant of what's happening because you know there's so many layoffs so many teams getting shut down or folded into other companies and it's it's going to have a major effect on the video game industry. you know yeah. we're already starting to see the effect that it, it has but even if you're just looking for like the new releases coming out two or three years down the road we may not have as many video games coming out there's not as many people making them or the teams are smaller, so it's taking a longer time. Um, things like that. It's just we're going to start seeing the effects more and more until we figure out some way to rebound from it. Yeah, I'm hoping that it doesn't take like a monumental catastrophe for that to happen. Hopefully, all the whether it's the the big console makers or the big publishers and everybody can kind of figure out something that makes it uh, sustain. And it, it's sad to like hear almost not just talking to, to like seeing devs talk, but like hearing people's conversation with devs and like the entire thing is we got to just make it through 2020. Mm-hmm. And like, that's so sad to, to hear, you know, just again, it's like, it's just one of those things. Like I wanted to just talk to you as somebody that's done this so long and then just, again, to like give that preface of, yeah, we're here to talk about Final Fantasy and Rebirth and be excited about it, but there is other things, you know, on, in the industry around it, you know, so I guess getting to the game, and I think last time I had you on, it was around, because you did the review for, for 16. Um, yeah, the last one, Fantasy. <laughs> what, is, what is your history with Final Fantasy 7, I guess, in general? Like, how did you, is it like your favorite one of all, and and where where is that with you before you yeah. start playing this? Final Fantasy Seven. I don't say it. It's my favorite. Final Fantasy Nine is my personal favorite, but yeah. I often say Final Fantasy Seven is the most important video game I ever played in my life. Because before I had played Final Fantasy Seven, when I was came out in ninety seven, I was sick. I had very very little experience with video games. There was almost nothing I'd played, and Seven kind of opened my eyes to what a video game could be. Is kind of engrossing story and world that it could have expansive rpg and incredible characters and it, it started me on the 
Final Fantasy series and then into RPGs and video games at large. So it really was, it was the game that got me interested in playing games. Um, and throughout my life, it's kind of served as this big piece, you know, most of, not most, but a big part of my career has been covering Final Fantasy games. Playing this and playing Remake before it a few years ago were interesting experience. And like, you know, going from Remake to this, you know, obviously the big hook is that, okay, we're going out of Midgar, we're going open world. How is that? How does it, does it feel like other open world games or is it different than open, you know, the, a lot of the AAA yeah. open world games? Yeah. So the, the best thing I've thought to compare it to is like something like Dragon Age Inquisition, where it's not strictly one seamless open world. Um, not like a Fallout game or The Witcher or something, you know, it's, it's these open world zones that you go to. So basically as the story progresses, you go to each of these different zones. You start in like the grasslands by Calm, just outside of Midgar. And then you go to the Junon area. And then you go to the Coral and Gold Saucer area and then Cosmo Canyon, etc. cetera. Um, so it, it definitely is more, open world than pretty much any Final Fantasy game in the past, even more than 15, because it's adopting more of those open world elements where you're, you know, you kind of have, you have these towers, you have to act, act, show you all the icons for the different activities, but um, it it doesn't feel, it it feels very different from Remake, but it doesn't feel like a a jump, like too far of a jump thematically. It, It works because you're moving into the, larger world outside of Midgar. So it thematically fits the game very Yeah, I mean like is there is there a, something that stood out to you as like the biggest improvement from remake that makes you go, oh this is a way better game. I enjoyed this way more than remake because of this. It's it's hard to say. I think it's just the scope of everything in general. It's just like all of the pieces that were there in remake have been improved. So the battle system has been tweaked and, and improved a lot. Um, the characters feel more, more dynamic and everyone has more of a fleshed out plot line. Um, it, uh, you know, the side activities, there's, there's an ungodly amount of mini games in this game, almost a Yakuza games equivalent of mini games. So it's just like, like every little piece of remake has been improved upon on top of having these major new additions, like new party members, like you see Kate Sith there and Red 13 and having these open world exploration elements, um, a more complex story that kind of interweaves with all of the um, open world. Uh, And I think another big improvement is the side content and how that directly ties into the story. Because that was a big criticism of Remake is you have these side quests that feel kind of like filler. You're just wasting time. But in this, the right. side quests, side quests are all attached to a party member. So every single side quest in the game, Cloud does with a party member. So you're seeing their relationship, you know, deepen and grow while you're doing these side quests that also have various other benefits. Do you feel like the so you know they added a lot of different things to the combat? Is there something that like you really like that they added? Yeah, That's like your yeah. favorite thing now. The big thing is the synergy system. So you have that's like the big new addition here where as as you fight and you use your ATB abilities, each character builds up a synergy gauge. Um, and when that gauge is full, you can use these synergy attacks which is 
two characters teaming up for like a, a extra explosive attack. Uh, and they have different benefits too. So like sometimes they'll raise your limit level or you might be able to split your ATB gauge into three gauges um, or you can extend the stagger time on an enemy. Um, it's a really dynamic system that is kind of separate from your ATB charges. So it gives you more options in combat, um, you know, tactically. And it also makes you think more about the party compositions that you have. Because you have different moves for different characters teaming up. So you kind of want to think about how those work on top of your material loadouts and everything. So it really just kind of makes it makes the combat system in Rebirth even more dynamic and customizable, I feel like. Uh, it's, it's really a tremendous addition. And I was surprised by how much it changes things. Yeah, speaking of, you know, changes, that you mentioned the characters there, they play a much bigger part. Do they, like, limit your, you know, a lot of the, the big part of, re, of, of Remake was that you kind of didn't get to pick your party much. There was always told, okay, this is your plan as right now. They'll let you switch, but it's not like you get to choose that. Is that more freeing as well? Is is do they still do that where they make you play with certain people, or is it always kind of just open for you to select? It yes and no. So rebirth is very segmented. Like what I mean by that is you have these these very story focused moments that are kind of like remake and they're mostly linear. And then you get to a new region and you have the op huge opportunity to explore and do whatever you want. When you move to the next story beat, it's usually going to be that story-focused segment until you get to the next open. So these story segments, a lot of times, will separate your party or give you certain parties that you need to play with. So like later in the game, there's a section where you play as just Barrett and Red 13. Um, but when you're exploring these open areas, you, you can mix and match your party as much as you want. Because um, there's there's six characters? Seven characters now, yeah. Because you they add Red 13, Yuffie, and Kate Sith. Um, you have... Basically, what the game does is it lets you create three predetermined parties. Uh, so if you want to, you know, want to be Cloud, Barrett, and Tifa, and then you can have Cloud, Red 13, Yuffie, whoever you want for the last one. And you can swap between these instantly whenever you want. Um, so kind of those segments is it gives you more freedom than Remake did, but there are still times when it wants you to have a set party. Do you feel like that whole thing with the characters is earned, you know, they introduced that whole thing with the, uh, you, everybody has like a relationship kind of number with cloud. Does that kind of, is it, is it like just kind of one of those things is tacked on or does it really feel like it matters with the characters? Yeah, it's not, it's, it's a little hard, I think, cause it doesn't, I guess it doesn't feel like it really matters all that much, but it kind of changes your perception of the story a little. So like the, the big thing that it determines is who you go on the gold saucer date, like in the original. Okay. Um, right. And so you get a big story moment with whoever that might be. In my case, it, it was Tifa. Um, so I, I don't think that system really matters overall, but it does do a good job of kind of highlighting the relationship that Cloud has with it. Um, and the big thing that I noticed in this that I had never really even thought of a flaw as the original Final Fantasy VII until I played this is that in the original, the party members don't really have a relationship with each other. Every All of their development, all of what you learn about them is how they are in relation to Cloud. 
The only exception to that is, you know, Tifa and Barrett kind of have a little of history of the Midgar section. In this, that's very much not the case. You constantly see party members, you know, having little interactions or, you know, they talk to each other a lot in cutscenes, even out in the world. So you really get a sense. The big thing that this game is about is the bonds between the party. Like you have these bit, you have all the big story moments and the big moment that it ends on and all that. But the story is really about seeing how the relationships between all of these grow and change. It's, it's good. It makes it feel like you're really going on a journey with them, which is, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how close, you know, a lot of the big part of remake, obviously, especially at the end was, Oh, it's, it's not, you know, a lot, the whole point of remake is that you kind of have the two things fighting with each other about the whispers are trying to return things that, keep things how they were and then there's other things going around that that change the story right does this continue that trend of like changing the story or does it kind of stick more closely to what happens in the original seven during this period that you play yeah so i won't i won't say too much but this game loosely follows the events of the original so you know from an overhead view you're kind of going on the same path where you go to calm and then you go under Junon and you go on the cargo ship and then gold saucer. So the events are loosely following the same order, but much more than remake, everything has been significantly fleshed out or altered or enhanced in some way. Um, so much so that, I, I mean, honestly, this feels like a brand new game. It, it There is that sense of, familiarity and nostalgia because you are seeing the same places and largely doing the same things but it it just feels it for all intents and purposes it really is a brand new final fan um and you know that's that's about as much as i can say without giving anything away <laughs> all right i mean that's fair um definitely don't want to be not spoiling things for people but like when you when this kind of started when this whole were, were you somebody that was like Oh, don't touch my Final Fantasy Seven. I don't want to. I don't. You know, were you a purist or were you always open to like, let me see something different with this? How did you feel when those moments started happening with remake of of it changing? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not one of those people at all. Um, I've always been one of those that like, if you're going to remake something, it's it's not worth just doing the same thing. I would always absolutely always prefer to see a remake that reimagines the original even if it doesn't end up as as you know even if it fails in the end i would much rather see it do something new than just make the old thing look better um so remakes ending i i love especially because thematically it feels like remake is a game about being a remake like that's literally it's it's metatextual theme is like it's all about the pressures of remaking something that's so beloved and has so many expectations behind it. And that's a theme that very much carries forward into Rebirth. It, it's still about kind of, you know, fans having this expectation and wanting to subvert those expectations. So that's kind of the, the core narrative theme that carries through everything, but you're still getting a lot of the other themes that the original Final Fantasy VII played with. So like the, the big one is the environmentalism. Um, those are, even stronger here uh you know a lot of the story details are even more about kind of the environmental issues facing the planet 
And interestingly, one thing that surprised me is it feels like there's some commentary in this about the fact that, you know, this is games coming out 26 whatever years later, and it feels like no one cares about the issues with our environment. Yeah. And it feels like this game comments on that. Like no one, still no one cares about it and still no one's doing about it. So it's a, it's really interesting to see how a lot of the, the big themes of Final Fantasy VII have been played up or, or you know, enhanced yeah. in Rebirth. And so, you know, like you just said, like so many of them are kind of still true uh, mm-hmm. to, to this day right now. You know, um, speak, there's obviously since that time, since Seven came out, there's been this, plethora of things that have have come out with that are seven related Advent children just showed up in theaters a few days ago uh you know um again for the first time in who knows how long i've been kind of going through in and you know reading up on uh you know some of the books watching Advent children and doing all that there's i'm sure there's a lot of people that are doing that you wrote an article that kind of goes through mm-hmm. some of the things like now that you play the game, is there a lot? Is there does it feel worth it for the people that have really gone and through and experienced a lot of the other things that are Final Fantasy VII related? One hundred percent, yeah. Um, I've always been into, you know, I I don't know why, but I kind of have an obsession with like extended universe stuff. So yeah. I, I love when there's just ridiculous amount of extra content to consume with with things. Um, it's a weird weird obsession that I have. So seven has been perfect. Cause I, you know, I always, I read the books and I watched, you know, obviously I haven't children back in the day. And I, I watched an entire playthrough of the before crisis mobile game 15 years ago. And <laughs> so I know everything there is to know about final fantasy seven. And um, the more, you know, about the spinoffs, the more payoff there is. Okay. There are cool. very obvious details that they are weaving in, including some, Again, I, I can't say what, but there's some very big details from spinoffs that I'm surprised that they've put in. And even little things, like there's a novel that came out last year called Traces of Two Pasts, um, and in it you learn about a cat that Tifa had growing up. Uh, and one of the side quests is about meeting that cat. So it's, it's, it's big wow. and small. There's a lot of things put in. Uh, Advent Children is very interesting in particular. When I played Rebirth, I didn't really make the connections but then i saw advent children again when it was in theaters last week and after playing rebirth it suddenly was like oh now i see the connections with that fresh in my mind like suddenly i could pick out a half dozen little things it's like i that makes sense now i get what they're doing that's awesome i love that they like were able to accomplish part of that dream of they wanted to try to include a lot of, as many things as possible yeah of that extent imagine- to make it relevant again I imagine that might not be a great that might not be a great thing to hear for some people. You know, there's a lot of talk yeah. about Tetsuya Nomura and his Nomuraism, how he makes all these stories. Everybody wants to blame Nomura for everything, man. It's not always his yeah. fault. Yeah, but if you if you like kind of extended stuff and little details and little nods, there's there's so much of that, and it, I mean, it's it's it was delightful, honestly, as someone. You know, I wrote that article and I've written other articles in the past and about theories I had and some of them came true. That's yeah. that's all I'll say. That I mean, that's the thing that I always I, I just don't understand how Square Enix is trying to sell this as a standalone game when it's obviously not standalone yeah, at all. I would yeah. absolutely 
you know, it's hard to recommend that anyone plays Remake and Rebirth without knowing the original, at least. Maybe you didn't have to play the original, but I feel like you at least need to be familiar with certain things that happen. So, like, the big thing, you need to go into this knowing that Aerith dies, you know, in the original game. That's something that you need to know. Whatever whatever happens at the end of the Rebirth, doesn't matter. That's something you still need to know happens. Or you need to know right. about President Shinra dying or something like that, you know? Um, but at least going into Rebirth, I would never recommend anyone plays this with like you absolutely need that context. I mean, it literally from the moment that it ended starts there. So yeah, I mean, yeah, you really have to. Um, so like one of the the biggest I think issue that I think a lot of us had with remake and me replaying it, um, especially some of those middle sections, really felt like, oh man, this this is kind of ta- feels like it's taking a lot longer to get through than it, it did when you have that initial excitement and all that stuff when you're first getting to the game. Is the pacing better in Rebirth, or is it kind of similar to Remake, where you still have those parts where? Yeah. So funny enough, that's that's like literally the one problem I have with this game, is the pacing. Um, the pacing of the main story, I think, is fine overall if you're doing the story. So to me, it feels like this game is very intentionally designed for you to follow the main story for the most, and come back and do side stuff later. Um, but the game does not do a good job of telling you that you can that you can come back and do side stuff. So, you know, when you get to a new area, you have this huge area to explore, and you have you know five different optional combat things, shrines to find, and summons to find, and side quests to do, and you have twenty different things to do. So it can really hurt the pacing of the story when you get to a new area, and you know you're spending. 15 hours doing side stuff. So what I would recommend is if, you know, if people really want to see the story play out, want that pacing to be intact, I would just recommend you mostly mainline the story, maybe do a couple side quests, but you can come back at any point in throughout the game and, and do any of the side content. So nothing is missable. So I would make it recommend, you know, you, you do a tiny bit of the side content and keep the story moving. That's really the one flaw that I, I see with it at all. Okay, so you don't necessarily, uh, you don't have to do the side content to be able to get through the game. Like it doesn't feel like, no. oh man, I'm not going to be leveled enough if no, I don't. Yeah. The one, ex- okay. the one exception is the first area, the grasslands. You want to do okay. a little bit more there because you know if you play the original, the Midgar Summer is the like the the boss at the end of that area. And it's a little tough. So that's the one place where I think do a few side quests to boost your level or get some items and then then fight that boss. But everything else, like, just get through the story. That that really is the best recommendation I have. So, I mean, it uh, feels like a lot of the, the side quests are, I guess, not much different than what you would see in a those these kind of open world games. But it feels like what they did was they filled it with mini games instead. Do you like this idea more of this is how you do it? A uh, big old open world. Well, it's not open world, but like mostly open world game better than say like the way Ubisoft does it, where you just give you a lot of the same stuff over and over. Or? <laughs> yeah, actually, ironically, the last big open world game I played before this was Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um, and I, 
I had a really hard time getting because about 50 hours in, it just felt so monotonous. Um, and it's just absolute checklist of things to do and totally overwhelming with map icons. There's a little bit of that in Remake or Rebirth, but I think what Rebirth does really well is have has this sense of variety to everything that you do. So, you know, there's there's these each area kind of has these mini games and they're all they all are very different. So like, you know, one in one area you might play the Fort Condor mini game from uh remake. Or you might get turned into a toad and have to do this like obstacle course kind of thing. Or you have the chocobo racing at the gold saucer. They all feel extremely varied. And it also takes a little bit of inspiration from like The Witcher 3 in terms of its side quests with tying the stories of the side quests into the main story or into the party member. Um, so like the, the there's one thing, the side quest that really stands out to me is in Cosmo Canyon, you have these side quests that are called proto-relic quests where each area has a proto-relic quest series where you're, you're trying to get these relics that'll open up a secret boss basically. Um, but the one in Cosmo Canyon is actually surprisingly important to the story and some characters from Remake. So it all it feels like something that's almost necessary to do in order to get the full picture of the story. Um, so that's why I think the side content here in Rebirth is is better than what you typically see in an open world game because one, it often ties to the main story or to character development. And two, it's all extremely varied and, and different. So it doesn't feel monotonous like other things do. A lot of times it feels like you're doing something new, something exciting. Oh, that's awesome to hear because that's that's my number one like worry when they said, oh, it, it's kind of going open world-ish. And, you know, when, <laughs> I mean, say what you will about 16. I love 16, but obviously the side quests were not, always uh the most yeah. fun thing to do right um it felt like a yeah. means to an end like we need to get through all these so we can get to the ones that actually have story parts that are cool um yeah it's yeah like Rebirth it's good that this one is not like, like that it feels like the polar opposite of 16 in a lot of ways because 16 was really about that core action experience you know and that's that's all that was to it and that that's fine for the kind of game it was but rebirth is very much about providing as much variety as possible and i uh, it, i'm blown away by how much variety they were able to put into this game it's it's incredibly impressive well i mean speaking of some of those mini games there's a ton of them i know but do you have any favorites that like you're like oh man i love this one i want to play it again i like the chocobo racing a lot it's very mario kart-esque which is good okay. if you make any kind of racing mini game it should really just be mario kart like right, yeah, they they perfected it. Don't do anything else. The other one that's really good is Queen's Blood, the card game, um, which is it, it. At first, when I started the card game, it was I was like, I'm not sure about this, but it really grows into something really fun and really like tactic tactical and has a lot of depth to it. And I like it even more than Triple Triad from Final Fantasy VIII, and I might even that's like it more than right Went there. from Witcher Three. So. Whoa. Like it's honestly wow. one of the best card games I've seen in any video game, particularly because like it starts out simple, but it, it really grows in, in its complexity across the game. Um, and there's some surprising, again, there's some surprising twists related to this, this card game that you think is just a mini game. 
but it ends up having right. a story to it. Man, they, it feels like they really thought of everything. Like, do you really want to go get, um, you know, you told me at the beginning, but I, I do feel like, you know, like a dragon's right there. And they really definitely took a, a big inspiration from that of how do we make the mini game something that somebody's going to enjoy uh, just as much as the main game? Uh, mm -hmm. It feels like is, uh, I guess what I was trying to say is, did you, did you ever feel a point where I know you said you didn't, um, you know, go through the checklist or whatever, but did you, did, did you overall, you gave this a 10 out of 10 mm -hmm. in your review uh, you know, ten out of ten. That's not that's not something you you take lightly to to give something that, you know, if you look back at it now, what what would you have given? I guess remake looking back at it now, why why give it a ten out of ten uh, for review? Yeah, I think remake in my mind was probably like a nine. I loved remake, um, but this I think the most important thing I try to get across when I've talked about this game is that it feels so fresh and new. It feels like it pushes Final Fantasy into a new direction. It feels cutting edge for the franchise, which is something that hasn't happened for a long time. But at the same time, it really captures the, the spirit of the original Final Fantasy VII. You know, Final Fan when the first Final Fantasy VII came out, it was it's a weird game. It's got yeah. really weird stuff in there. It's got a little cat that rides a giant moogle and has a Scottish accent. <laughs> you know, it has all these mini games you got to ride a dolphin to get into Judon, and it's got all this weird stuff <coughs> excuse me and rebirth is that to a t it it gets super super weird and that that's perfect you know it has this kind of just it wants to be weird and it wants to be exciting and it wants to be unlike anything you've ever seen and i think that's what really makes it succeed is that they're able to capture that spirit of the original game, the essence of the original game, but also make it feel like something new for the franchise. That's, that's good. I mean, you, you're saying that, I mean, obviously it feels like the majority of everybody's thought is I could be cool with doing this combat system and final fantasy games for a long time to come. Right. Mm -hmm. But what makes like, if we're going to do a final fantasy 17, right now right because 16 was very divisive some people loved it a lot of people hated it for various reasons what is it that you take out of this game and say okay this needs to be like the basis of a Final fantasy 17 yeah there's you know there's a lot been a lot of talk about that really and it feels like every other interview you see on anything final fantasy someone asks the creator what what makes a final fantasy and you know i think they obviously know better than i do but the thing to me that really has made Final Fantasy so special over the years is just the sense that it always wants to be something different. You know, it's not content to just do the same thing over and over. You know, I, I wrote an article about Final Fantasy VIII for its anniversary recently, and I think that game is almost the perfect example because you have seven that came out that was this mega hit, this RPG that sold better than any RPG ever had. And then you have eight come out and it didn't do anything that seven did. You know, it changed everything. It changed the combat with the junction system. Uh, it changed the equipment system. It had triple triad. It changed the story, a setting. It changed everything. And so relating that to Rebirth, I think that's really what is important for Final Fantasy going forward is that you're just being experimental and trying new things. And I think 16 
fit that as well. You know, it didn't land with everyone. Uh, and I think that's fine. 16 had a vision and it stuck to it. And it did something that the franchise has never done. I think that's the only way that Final Fantasy is going to keep growing and keep staying relevant is by trying new things and just wanting to create new experiences. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully, if anything, this just show them keep doing what you do. You have Remake here. You're doing new things with Rebirth. Now, I mean, who knows what they could do with the whatever, you know, this third part of the trilogy. Things. Yeah, are so I don't different. know. I don't know what they do with the next game. The big thing is we've, you know, we've been to most everywhere in the original game. There's there's a few places that left, you know, there's the Icicle Inn and Rocket Town. And they've talked about where this game ends in interviews. They've been very open about that. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. I think the next game is going to be the most different. I think it'll be yeah. a lot of very new stuff. Uh, that wasn't in the original story. Um, whether you like that or not, the, the the best thing I can say about this trilogy is that they have a vision and they are sticking to it. I would I much prefer that they are sticking to their vision rather than trying to appease what people you know what people wanted from what remake did or what this. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously it's just critic reviews, but it feels like they kind of vindicated uh, with that with all of the yeah. you know um, the big high praise. Is there something that it's different, you know, having to play it? Uh, how, how early can you say, like, how early you got that you were given the code and how long you had to play? Yeah, I I don't remember exactly, to be honest, but I think it was like about three weeks. Um, wow. Which is that's amazing. Pretty, pretty generous. Yeah. Uh, most of the time, as a reviewer, you don't get that kind of time. No, um, <laughs> no. So. <laughs> That was it was ex extremely nice, and I think that's you know it shows a confidence in what that team had created. But um, you know, I think it shows that, that the the lowest score for this game is an eight out of ten, and that's yeah. that's Final Fantasy hasn't had a game like that since ten for twenty years. That series hasn't had a game that has been beloved like this. So I'm really really interested to see. When people get their hands on this, there are a lot of big moments that I can't wait for people to experience and talk about. And it, it's just, it's, it's the kind of thing where as a reviewer, you, you beat it and you're like, I cannot wait to see what other people think of this. That's, that's awesome to hear too. Like, it's like, I, I want to talk to somebody else about it, but I can't, you know, it's like, um, I guess that's what I was going to ask you is like, what do you feel like? Do you think that the, the gamer reception, the fan reception is going to be similar. It was, is there anything I, that worries you about, I guess, where the discourse is going to go? I think by and large, people are really going to like it. I think just like remake, I think the ending is going to be the big. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think just, That's I think insane. just like remake, it'll be a case of people really love it or people really hate it. There's not going to right. be an in between. Um, that's going to be what everyone is talking about is, is the ending the last two hours or so. Does this feel like the middle child, the middle game, like you're just waiting for to get to the, the next part or do you feel like yeah. you got enough here? It very much yeah. is like, it's like it's the empire strikes back of final fantasy. Like yeah. it, it is very much the middle chapter. Um, 
which I think is why it can be a little more lighthearted a lot of times or a little more experimental or exploratory because it, you know, it doesn't have to pay everything off. There's quite a bit of setup in this. Um, and, you know, like they've shown in all the trailers and pre-release everything, you know, you beat Vincent and Sid, but they don't join your party or right. anything. Um, right. So there's a lot of setup with those characters too. So it very much is the middle chapter. Uh, and it's going to be, it's a hard wait to the next one. Um, yeah, oh, definitely. I, I hope that it comes out before 2028, basically. Uh, but we'll see. I'm hoping too that just because they have more assets to use and there's more world there for them to use that they can yeah. somehow do it in 2027 or something. Um, yeah. Well, I, it, you know, I think it'd be interesting because the director, Naoki Hamaguchi, one thing he talked about is how beneficial it was to keep the same team. So everyone that worked on Remake, they carried over to Rebirth. And he said that worked wonders for their development process because suddenly if they had a problem, they instantly knew who to go to. And there was real like synergy that built between the team. So I have to imagine, you know, doing that seems to have paid off. So I have to imagine that they're going to have that same exact team keep going and keep doing. Um, the only thing I wonder about is, you know, this is, I think it's creative business unit one that does this. Right. And I think mm -hmm. that's also the same team that will be primarily making kingdom hearts four. So I, I keep thinking about, I don't know if we'll see remake part three or kingdom hearts four first. It's hard to say. Yeah. That one's an interesting one too. Cause like people are so used to waiting <laughs> long periods with kingdom hearts that it's like, yeah. Do they go ahead and, get this and, and get done with Final Fantasy VII, and then, okay, well, now we can focus all of our attention on Kingdom Hearts. Um, yeah, that's going to be a, yeah. an interesting one. Out of that. Is there anything, like, you know, 16 had the very obvious, it felt like, oh, they keep talking about Leviathan the Lost. They keep talking about, oh, there's, that's the one summon that's not in here and all that stuff. Is there anything that you felt like is obvious for, like, if they did do a DLC, like the Yuffie one, that could be DLC or not quite, you know, there's, there's nothing super obvious. Like that. I think the most obvious would be to do a DLC about Sid or Vincent, make them playable. Yeah. Um, I personally think Sid would be better served um, because I think you learn a little more about Vincent than you do. So I think if anything is obvious, I think Sid is the obvious choice for it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they do it, you know, intermission was, fantastic i, I love mm -hmm. the intermission deal and i you know the next game is going to have a lengthy development cycle there's no, no way around it so i think yeah. if they can put out a dlc in a year or a year and a half or something like that that can work as a little bit of a, a stopgap to, to not make the wait feel so long which i think it's something they're really going to want to do they're going to want to keep momentum and interest up for this trilogy yeah that i mean Obviously, part of that was also because they had the big move to, oh, we want to do like a remaster sort of thing for the PS5 version. So why not give people a reason? Mm -hmm. And then obviously we're going to show you what the what it can look like with the PS5 uh, with intermission as well. So uh, it's going to be interesting. Like now that you don't have that kind of thing to make it easy for us to say, OK, this is the reason why we're doing DLC. I wonder how long they if they do it, how long they wait to do it, and, and yeah, what what that's going to be, obviously. Mm -hmm. 
Is there anything that you felt like was missing or you felt like, man, I wish they would have added this to the game that would have just put that one, one cherry on top to just like, okay, this is, they can't top this or, or, or you, you just felt like, man, I needed this in the game. I was pretty happy with pretty much everything overall. I mean, the, the, you know, the ultimate wish I have is I would love to play as Vincent's. Yeah. I would have loved that, but I understand why they couldn't do it or why they didn't want to do it. Um, so it makes sense. But other than not being able to play as them, nothing that I can really think of, honestly. I'm pretty I'm pretty pleased with everything that they missed or everything they include. Did you have a part of the game that, let's say in the original, there was a lot of stuff that, you know, they didn't spend a lot of time on and then they made bigger in this game. Is there something that like now stands out like, oh man, this is a, my one of my favorite parts of Final Fantasy VII now, now that I've experienced it in, in bigger detail and rebirth? You need to think about that first. Sorry, I didn't try I to think, stump you on purpose. Or no, that's okay. I think Junon. It, it, it's interesting for me to answer that because Rufus's welcoming ceremony in Junon is one of my favorite parts of the original game, but it's even more one of my favorite parts of the game now because I think that the the way that they've done it in Rebirth is just absolutely phenomenal. It, it's more than I more than I thought they could they could do with it. it it's it's a blast, honestly. The other oh, thing is the, the the cargo ship after you leave Junon is it, it's you know that was in the original it's like a ten minute segment where you fight a boss and basically it yeah but now it's it's a whole section in this it's a whole chapter uh, so you have a whole thing all, on board the ship and it's pretty pretty neat so I think that's the big thing is just everything that felt like such a small snippet in the original game feels like its own. Thing. Do you feel like there's a character in in this then rebirth now that maybe you didn't maybe you didn't use so much or you didn't care that much about that you feel like wow I I care about them more after playing this than say it, the yeah time period in the original it's absolutely Kate Sith um, I think he was I think most people think would agree that he was kind of the least interesting party member of the original in terms of story and using him in combat i mean he was he was fine but i just liked everyone else better um but in this his combat stuff is really fun he's really different from everyone else and he really feels like a more important part of the story because i think in the original you you know you have he joins your party and then he betrays you and that's his big moment and then the story kind of forgets it's just kind of there um but in this he's a part of the group you know he interacts with everyone else and he's he's so funny he's just this weird little gremlin that just <laughs> always does weird stuff and he you know when he runs around the field like a cat like he's on all fours running like a cat all the time except for when he jumps on his big moogle and it's just he's just the weirdest little dude and i i love him so much he is he's the character that i think has been most important that's yeah i i agree with you there that's the first thing like as soon as you get him okay cool whatever i use them a little bit of times that they make you use them and then it's like ah you know goodbye case you know but that's that's good that that's what i feel like i guess most is earned in this game is how much more the the characters feel uh when they when mm-hmm. they say in that um that final like state of play where they talk about you're gonna feel very close to the characters or that feels like they definitely earned that to be able to say that did yeah. you feel like did you did you have a favorite party that you used in combat or did you kind of change it up a lot or 
I changed it up a lot, but I found out pretty quickly that Red 13 is like the best character in this game. He has some of his abilities are really, really, really good. And he has his unique like trait is called vengeance mode. So as he blocks, he raises this vengeance gauge. And when you go into vengeance mode, it raises your attack power and changes your combos and lets you use a special move called Siphon Fang, where you can steal enemies' health. Um, so he is he is easily one of the best characters in the game in terms of combat. But I also think he got a lot of very special story mode. He is a big focus uh, in terms of gameplay and story. Yeah, that was one of the things, like, you know, you don't get to use him in, in Remake, and I was like, man, how are they going to do this with him? How is he going to... How they're gonna use him in combat, and it's it's awesome to hear that he he's great in this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything with the the combat like that they besides the synergy stuff that is it? Do you feel? I guess one of the things that that wasn't necessarily remake kind of felt like it wasn't as easy as say sixteen was, but it also felt like I didn't. Outside like the Hell House, I didn't necessarily feel like I had too much of a challenge, I guess, in the normal mode. Does that feel more balanced in Rebirth, or is it kind of the same? I didn't play a lot on normal mode, but I guess I will say if you want more of a challenge, they it's good to pick. They have a new mode called Dynamic Mode, which scales all the enemies to your level, whether it's bosses or enemies when you go back to do side content. Um, I found that very challenging um, because it's you can't over level at any point because everything is just scaled up to you. So yeah, I think that that mode hit, there were a couple of times I actually had to turn it down to normal, but too hard on a couple of battles. <laughs> and you know, I was under review deadline. So I was, no, I don't want to spend too long on it. but um, I think dynamic mode is going to, is a good happy medium, you know, for people that really want to challenge. And yeah, you can, you unlock hard mode after you beat the game and that's drastically harder. So, yeah. But I think as a first playthrough, I would I'd recommend people try Dynamics to see if it, it kind of you know hits the sweet spot that they want. I guess uh, one last thing, you know, we talked about you giving it ten out of ten or whatever. But like for people that are listening, watching this, and they're let's say they they want they they're they check this out before they get to play Rebirth. Like, what's that thing that like gives a lasting impression to you? Of I'm gonna remember Rebirth because of this. Like, this is what stood out to me. Though. It's that it, it's still got to be that main story. I, you know, I love a lot of the side content. I love a lot of mini games, but it's really that main story. There's a lot of really special moments, like really intimate character moments, really big boss battles, exciting boss battles. Um, you know, just kind of seeing that journey. It, it, I guess, you know, I'm, one thing that really stands out to me, I guess, is the towns in particular. Um, it feel going to each town feels like a big event. Like it's, you got this whole new town to explore and all these things to see and do. And it, it really felt like what I remember playing RPGs in the nineties felt like, you know, when you got to a new town and it was so exciting because you had all these discoveries and new characters and all these things to do. And it, it really recaptured that sentiment for me. It's one of the first RPGs in a long time to really recapture that idea of each new town feeling like this big event. 
Did you have a favorite town of the? I mean, they already showed all the regions or whatever what they are. Like, did you have a favorite region that you got to go to? Or it's, I think it's Cosmo Canyon. I, you know, I've always loved Cosmo Canyon. The music, the thematic setting, the, the lighting, everything, and it, it's everything's just been turned up to ten. Cosmo Canyon here is just incredible. One of the things that's you know, it, obviously because they have the demo and everything, but it's been it's been talked about. Did you play in quality or did you play in in performance mode? I played in the quality mode the whole time. Um, okay, so you didn't notice the blurry stuff and all that. That's there's been... there was a little bit of that. That's part of why I played in quality mode, honestly. But they just released a new patch for the demo today, I believe, and that patch was also applied to the full game, um, and it seems to have pretty well fixed that issue. Okay. But I think quality mode is also, I think quality mode is just the way to play it, honestly, because there's so much to the environment and having it in 4K really just makes everything pop. You didn't feel like you, oh, I mean, I don't know how much of a 60 FPS, 30 FPS person you are, like how much that affects you, but did you feel like you lost anything from playing in quality the whole time or? There are some games that I prefer in 60, like I, like Spider-Man games are one of those that I've felt that way. 16, I felt was better in 60, but with this game, I, I really didn't feel like I lost anything in quality mode. I, it's, you know, it, it sticks at 30. I didn't have, I can't think of a single time I had any slowdown, honestly. So I think the quality mode just, it just felt better for me after I tried the two for a while. Yeah. All right. Just wanted to get your, th because I, I've kind of like been thinking about like, well, do I play in performance for a while? And then switch to quality when there's going to be this like big story thing. Like, do I need to be like saving it and then going back and doing it? But that's, that's good that it doesn't really feel like it changes too much when you play in, in quality. Um, I guess you mentioned the music, obviously huge part of Final Fantasy in general, the whole series and, and seven as well. How awesome is the music in this game? Do you have it, a standout tracks or anything that you It's very good. The one thing that's different, Remake had some tracks that are really memorable to me, but I think, mm -hmm. <laughs> interestingly with this, there's not as many that really stand out simply because there's so much music. It feels like almost yeah. everything in the game has a separate music track. And they've said, I think they made something like 400 songs for this. Yeah. So I think the soundtrack is fantastic, but I don't remember as much of it, like I said, because everything is so different. Um, right. The one, I guess, is still, you know, Rufus's welcoming ceremony. That's all, That's always going to be <laughs> one of my favorites. So. All right, man. I think I've asked you about almost everything in this game here that, I, that you know, that we can talk about. Thank you so much for... <laughs> being on here um i don't know unless you can think of something that you felt like you need to mention that we didn't talk about but um no i i think we've covered most everything i i like i said i'm just excited to see people talk about those big story moments i think that's that's what i'm really excited about when the game comes out all right man where can where can people find your your work mostly and i uh, anything big you got coming up besides uh, Rebirth that you want to talk about or can talk about, I guess? Or... No, I'll, I'll have some extra stuff coming out for Rebirth. So, you know, I, I mainly work for Inverse. So inverse.com, um, people can find my stuff there. Um, 
I occasionally do stuff for Kotaku or other sites. And I have some Rebirth stuff planned uh, for a few different sites. So um, other than that, the next big game I'll be talking about is probably Dragon's Dogma 2. Um, so keep an eye out for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm excited for that as well. Um, I, I guess just just that was there was there a lot of people when you went to the I, I had to work both those nights so I couldn't go but I wanted to was there a lot of people at the Advent Children showing that you went to or yeah I'd say it, the auditorium I went to was like a little over half full which I think is pretty good for like a 20 <laughs> yeah did you appreciate it more like now now that there's all this other stuff around it or does it feel like I do, it's yeah. still the same movie or I I like Advent Children, but it's kind of a guilty pleasure because I know it's I know yeah. it's not a great movie, <laughs> right? Yeah, simply from an objective standpoint. But I I appreciate what it did and how it, you know, we wouldn't have these new games without Advent Children. That that's the simple truth. So I mean, yeah, I, I appreciate what it, that movie. All right, man. Uh, hopefully, all of you guys enjoyed uh, Hayes. Give you know talking for wow an hour here about <laughs> rebirth. Um, you know, you know, let us know either in the comments on on YouTube, those who network on YouTube or uh, Twitch or wherever you watch this, or if you listen later on the podcast, you know, give us a review there. Uh, go follow uh, Hayes. Um, what's your your Twitter? Yeah, or Twitter is there? at at Soulfleet S O L F L E. Yeah, definitely uh, go follow Hayes and and catch up on what. You know he's doing and writing about definitely uh one of the best out there freelance writers um and uh, thank you again for being on and well hopefully we can have you on again pretty soon man. thank you yeah definitely <laughs>